Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, text for today is the Revelation to John. Um, this will include the word of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. I'll have you stand in just a moment, but uh, just drawing your attention quick before I forget, uh, everybody should have a bookmark unless it fell out. <laughs> we have some more ordered on the way. Um, I just do recommend before next Sunday, you can see what the next text is, just read it. I have it kind of in your head, oh, this is what we're going to be talking about. Um, even if it's just before church, you come in and you sit down, and, and while Dan's yammering about who Dan is and welcoming you all, you could just really quick read and say, oh, okay, there we go. So you know what's coming every single week. Today is really focused on, um, essentially it's a prologue and an introduction, and it sets the stage for the entire book. So it's kind of a big deal. Uh, because this is the word of our Lord and Savior, would you please stand? The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the, servant, the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of kings on earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming on the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Even so, amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation and the kingdom and the patient endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet saying, write what you see in a book and send it to the seven churches to Ephesus and to Smyrna and to Pergamum and to Thyatira and to Sardis and to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands one like a son of man, clothed with a long robe and with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white, like white wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze refined in a furnace. And his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars. From his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. 
Write, therefore, the things that you have seen, those that are and those that are to take place after this. As for the mystery of the seven stars you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is the word of our Lord. You may be seated. Brothers and sisters in Christ, first, I do want to point out a supplemental reading guide is available as well. Um, I printed off some of these, knowing not everybody's going to want these. If you want one, grab one. If we run out, I'll print more. It's, it's not a big problem. But interesting things in here like the Son of Man. You heard that phrase. Um, there is an excursus in here on the Son of Man on page 14. We're not going to get too far into it today. If you wanted to do that reading on your own, that's what this is for. Um, if you're coming on Wednesday evening, for sure I'll have more of those as well. Uh, but it is useful stuff. These I just copied and pasted right out of the commentary that I used from CPH, gave full credit to it and everything, so it's, it's, I'm not stealing it, I promise. Um, and it's definitely not the whole thing. The whole thing is like this thick. But where we're starting today um, with this prologue sets the stage for the entire book of Revelation. The Revelation can really be boiled down to essentially two things. It is the mission of Christ and the mission of his church. And there are times when those two things are so overlapped, they of course seem like the same thing. And there are times when the mission of Christ launches the mission of the church. And there are times when the mission of the church glorifies the mission of Christ, but it's, it's essentially those two things. It's a bit of an oversimplification, but we see right from the start two main characters in this prologue that sets the stage. We see Jesus and we see the church. Those seven lampstands, he tells us, are the church, right? And the seven stars are the angels, or maybe better understood as the, the sevenfold presence of the Holy Spirit among the churches that worship Christ Jesus, manifest in angels. That will remain a little bit mysterious to us, as, as some of these things simply will remain, as Jesus himself says, a little mysterious to us. But that doesn't mean we can't gain a great deal of understanding and a great deal of comfort from this book. Because that's what this dream that, that John has is all about. It's, this is the most comforting, the, the most kind, the most gracious book in the Bible. So let's get into it. First thing we discover is that he is Lord of the church. I'm going to put verse 20 up here on the screen. Uh, this is the setting of this stage when he literally says, as for the mystery of the seven stars, he's going to reveal the mystery that you saw in my right hand are the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, you're probably thinking, bummer. <laughs> There's like no way we're one of those seven churches. Yes, we are which we will discover, and I'm so excited, on the first Sunday we get to move to our key. If you look at your key, this number seven is to be understood, well, specifically, you know seven, you know, the, the days of creation. 
But it's more than just the days of creation. See, the the time in which God himself took to create, the six days and the rest on the seventh day, all of this is planned and ordained before the beginning of time, knowing moments like this would come. Because the number three is is a number representing God, of course, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, this triune God, which in and of itself remains mysterious exactly how all of this works. And in the Old Testament, repeatedly, and there's a couple of references here, God talks about the earth using the number four and the four corners of the earth. We're going to read more in Revelation later on as well. So the number three being God, the number four being the earth, and seven being the number of days in creation brings us to understand that seven, seven is a number that tells us God is God of all of this stuff all of the churches. So when he's talking about these seven churches and these seven golden lampstands, at the time that that John is writing this, there's more than seven churches. There's more than seven churches in the area in Asia he's talking about. But the people of the time were so steeped in understanding the symbols behind the numbers and part of their, their understanding of the world, just like it is ours. You know, when, it, when I, we say something along the lines of gave him the full nine yards, you know, that means everything. Well, isn't it 10 yards in football? Well, nine yards is actually the length of the ammo chain and the biplanes that they used to fly in World War I to blah, blah, blah. It's so steeped in our memory that the whole nine yards, we just know what that means, right? We, the numbers will often carry a significance with them. So the people who are hearing this are understanding the seven churches means all of those churches that belong to God. And the churches that belong to God are those who praise and worship and confess that Christ Jesus is Lord. His son, our Savior, died and rose again. So this is all of us. He's setting the stage even in the way that he looks. He has priestly robes on. He's he's standing in front of John in, in just his garb. He is proclaiming, I am the one offering the sacrifice, doing the priestly job for all of the churches on earth which he did perfectly on that cross. Remember, the the priest's number one job is to take a thing, to kill the thing, and then to offer it in atonement for people's sins. And this is what Jesus does for us. He he offers not a, a critter or an animal, but himself as the perfect sacrifice. But he didn't stop on the cross. And as he's ascended into heaven, he continues this priestly role. He continues to offer himself to the Father on our behalf. He's not done just because he rose from the dead and he ascended into heaven. He's not done just because we can't see him right here. He is right where John saw him right now, doing what he has always been doing, proclaiming to the Father about his brothers and sisters giving the Father the good news that your sins are paid for, that salvation is yours, and that you are part of his kingdom now and forever. And he has a golden sash, which reminds us of his kingly status 
as he says in Revelation, the king of all kings, Lord and ruler. He is reigning, not just being the priest offering, but also in full authority and command over all of these churches. And his feet burnished like bronze. Burnished like bronze, meaning his enemies are trampled under his feet. And this sword coming from his mouth, the two-edged sword, the word of God itself, Lutheran dorks would call it law and gospel. We love it, right? We love law and gospel. And and here's where we see an example of that. It it doesn't say law and gospel coming from his mouth, but that two-edged sword does two things. It cuts right to the marrow, cuts to the quick. The word of God will lay you open. God's word to you about himself, about his son, about about this world, man, it will cut you to the quick and show the world and show yourself the sinful disease that's in your heart. Our our sinful disease of of pride, of arrogance, of of lies, of cheating, of stealing, of, of all of those things. It it will cut into you, and it is so uncomfortable. It's so uncomfortable to come and hear God's word and say, how can that God love someone like me? And and no matter how good of a job we do putting on the outside how how great our life is, how how successful we are in our our career, our great house, our awesome kids who are the best athletes or, or this, or doing all of this awesome stuff, that the world may be fooled by that. The other brothers and sisters of yours in the church may be fooled by that, but when God's word comes, God's word doesn't give a rip. And it cuts right into you. It goes right through all of that, right through the brick and mortar of your mansion, right through your your fancy cars, right through your Instagram posts. It cuts right through all of that in an instant, right into your heart. And you go, but I am a poor sinner who's got a lot of stuff, who's, who's missing significance in my life who isn't about something bigger than myself, who is selfish, who doesn't have meaningful relationships, who can't keep it together on any given day, who who breaks down alone and, and crying by myself in a bathroom so nobody can see, but the word of God does. That's that double-edged sword coming out of his mouth. And like a surgeon, he will cut that out of you and remove it. That word of God from his mouth is powerful because he is our priest, he is our king, he is victorious, and it almost kills John. (laughs) That's the ethos of the dream. We need to understand that as we embark on this. Don't lose this feeling and this moment. John has seen the transfigured Jesus before. John was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. John was there when when Moses and Elijah showed up and, and Jesus was transformed right in front of his face and John willingly bowed down to worship. Not this time. Not this time. It is struck as dead 
<laughs> it's, it's hard to understand. Again, still a bit mysterious. He's in a vision. He's in the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of stuff going on. But the way the text reads in verse 17, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. The, the, the voice and, and the emphasis given in the Greek language by John's own hand, he's not talking unconscious. He's not talking, he was so surprised he fainted. He's saying, I was as good as dead. I mean, it's, it's a bit of a stretch to say his heart stopped, his brain turned off or whatever, but he, he did not go, oh my gosh, I should bow. He hit the ground dead. That, that is how we approach revelation, to simply look and see, to glimpse into God in his, in his heavenly realm, the Lord of life, whose, <clears throat> whose garments have all turned white and his hair totally doesn't match the pictures, by the way. All of the pictures that we have hanging up on our walls of Jesus should have white hair, what, just absolutely. And the reason is the ancient of days. When you read Daniel, you get this picture, and we'll cover this on Wednesday evening, so be here Wednesday if you want to dive into this deeper. Daniel gets a picture of, of the vision he has is kind of before Jesus incarnate, and one like the Son of Man, that's where we get the, that word from, approaches the Ancient of Days, the Father. And the Ancient of Days is described like that with the white hair and features and all of that. So the risen Lord still has his body, but no longer the, the Mediterranean, Middle Eastern, dark-haired features because the Ancient of Days, as he promised to do, and as we read all over the New Testament, has taken the glory and put it upon his son because his mission is accomplished. It's done. This is how we approach the dream, the dream of our lives. Not, not this God who did this thing, not this Mediterranean-looking man with the dark hair or sometimes, unfortunately, blonde hair, blue eyes, but like the, the God who, who became man was victorious in, in death and raised from the dead and ascended, not end of story, not at all end of story. Right now, he holds all of the churches in his hand. Right now, the word of God is coming from him, cleaving the hearts of people. Right now, his enemies are under his feet. Right now, these things are happening. And this Jesus continues to, to go to the Father, to the Ancient of Days, on our behalf as a priest, to reign over us. But our ethos, our mindset has to be, we walk in front of this God and should be dead. Because that's what the glory of God does. It consumes sin. It destroys evil. It annihilates the imperfect. 
None can stand before him. In the Old Testament, it was said over and over again, Elijah, Elisha, Moses could not see the full glory of God because they would be killed. And here John is, he sees the full glory of Jesus and he's dead, just like that. Except, (laughs) if you continue reading, the merciful hand is a little bit out of order, but go ahead and put this up on the screen. 17b and 18. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Fear not. I am the first and the last and the living one. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. This, this perfect kill and make alive again. The, the law where we discover just how broken and sinful that we are and, and how unworthy we are to stand before the Son of Man, as, as unworthy as we are, it murders us, it kills us. He then raises us up alive and new. And he says, now that we got that taken care of, got a job for you. Just write all this stuff down. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty easy job for John, really. It's, it's a different, different vocation, different job for us. But write this stuff down, that there is a son of man who comes and in the face of, of all enemies, destroys. He is, he is our King David, prophesied so many years ago. The one, the, the frail, the small, walking out in front of Goliath. And just with a stone, defeats certain death. And then all of the Philistines flee. He is our David who was killed and made alive again, conquering death. He is the better David because he was more frail, more weak, and didn't even bring a weapon but rather submitted to the whims of evil and death and destruction and was still victorious. The Son of Man is returning differently this time. When the Son of Man returns, that same glory that struck John dead, when the Son of Man returns and people look upon him, people will be struck as if they were dead because they're seeing the great glory of God himself, except <laughs> there's this one thing. And I'm not going to put it on the screen because I do want to make you guys get the book. <laughs> if you flip ahead to chapter 7, verse 9, it's on page 28. See how cool it is? We all get the same one. We can just go to the same page. <laughs> Verse 9, John says, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. When he returns... When he returns, we will not see the Son of Man returning. We will see the Lamb of God, who the Baptist said, Behold, takes away the sin of the world. We'll see the one who made himself to be frail, to offer his life 
for us. The lamb, could there be a more harmless creature, a more faithful, loving, cuddly, snuggly thing to come and return for us to see? When John sees the Son of Man for the first time, it does strike him dead. And maybe it will even be so for us momentarily, full of terror as the Son returns. And then that gracious right hand of the Lamb of God says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. The judgment isn't for you. There's no anger for you. There is no condemnation for any who are in Christ Jesus. Stand. We've got work to do. Stand and be prepared to have the the dream of revelation manifested in our lives. Approach revelation with that mindset, that ethos of this is terrifying for only a second. To understand that the victory belongs to you, that you're not the enemy that you're not death, that you're not sin, that you're not any of these things because you have washed your robes in the blood of the Lamb and you stand with the other 144,000, if you want to know what that means, it's in the month. If you want to know what that is, it's, it's all God's people. You have washed your, your robes in the blood of the Lamb and that's who he is to you. We are not living a dream of fear and terror of when Jesus might return or when he gets back. Will I have to make a full testimony of all of the sin of my life? Will it be laid bare before everybody? Will I be judged? That's not this story. What this is is the dream that our king is victorious, that he's paying attention to us, that all of those churches are in his hand, and those lampstands are out in front of him, that there are angels with with these spiritual manifestations of the Holy Spirit attending to each and every congregation around the world, wherever two or three are gathered, he is paying close attention, so much so that he has assigned a heavenly creature to make sure that he knows exactly what's going on, to attend to our needs, to guide and to lead, to protect us, because the evil one would want nothing more than to destroy us, to pull us apart, to divide us. The the evil one would love to kill churches, but as we're going to find out in about chapter 13, the Lord has taken his church and hidden it away from him, kept the evil one at bay, We are a people living a dream fully protected by God, even even when it seems as though there's a million Philistines on the horizon and all we've got is this kid with a rock, right? Or even when it seems as though all is lost because these times are so difficult or or my life is so much full of strife or there's so much pain and suffering in, in, in the world or I'm going through something so traumatic that it feels like I'm dead. There's two witnesses that are raised up alive when everybody thought they were dead. We'll get to that in a few chapters too. All of this is about how the dream that we are living is one of victory because he was victorious. One of comfort because he's watching, paying attention, and guiding and leading. 
a, a dream that is for the benefit of the kingdom, about something so much bigger than just living faith, and so much bigger than each and every one of us individually. But yet every one of us plays such an important role in God's kingdom on earth. Every single one of us, as we serve the congregation, as, as we go through the boringest of boring stuff and detailing the dream of the program year and the strategic plan and all that nonsense, right? Even as we're doing that, it might seem insignificant, but if it's for the benefit of this church, there's an angel paying attention to that, reporting to the Father, telling the Son, the Holy Spirit at work right here. He cares that much about those silly goals and our efforts towards them. He doesn't miss it when you set up tables or take down chairs. He doesn't miss it when you comfort somebody sitting next to you, when you greet somebody who just needs a friend, when you love on somebody in a time when they need that, when, when you go and you serve and you read to kids or, or any of these things, there's angels watching and God's kingdom is alive, and it's growing, and it's vibrant, and it's all right here in the book. This book is true start to finish about what Christ has done, but the dream for the church, the dream for the church is, is what we focus on, and we can't help Jesus do what Jesus does, because he already did it. We can't assist him in, in being a priest to the Father. We can't assist him in doing the Jesus stuff, but he absolutely empowers us by his spirit to do the church mission stuff. Brothers and sisters in Christ, living the dream this year will be about the mission of the kingdom of God in this congregation specifically for us. It's different from other churches, different from other places, maybe because we got a different angel. I like to think ours has tattoos. I'm just saying. But our mission for the church, the mission God has placed in our midst, I promise you, will bring us on a roller coaster, highs and lows, disappointments, moments of rejoicing. There, there will be tears of sorrow, tears of joy. There will be lives changed if we're living the dream. Amen. May the peace that surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Would you please st stand and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the gift of the scriptures, for the gift of a congregation that you are paying close attention to. We rest in the palm of your hand as stars glowing bright, with angels attending to us, with your spirit active and alive in us, here in this place to do what it is you've called us to do. Pray, Lord, that as your son was so victorious in his mission and continues on that mission, I pray, too, that you would give to us success in this mission, not for our glory, not, not for any measurable that comes up in any evaluation, but success in seeing the kingdom manifest like a dream in our lives today. And pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Receive now the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.